I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, whose sovereignty was never ceded and this area's original name was Nam. We pay respect to them and their elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to We Want to Be Better. It's a little mini-series, babe. Are you ready to go? It's going. Oh, it's going. Welcome to our podcast. Oh my God, the cat is through that bar trying to whack you on the head. I thought I felt something. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, darling. No, she really mustn't get out, though. She needs yeah. to just calm down. Okay. All right, let's try again. Let's try again. Three, two, <laughs> and the funniest part is you can't, can't even turn your head yeah. because you've crinked your neck. Yeah. Okay. Three, Three two, two, one, one. and we're rolling. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the last episode of our alcohol miniseries. So excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm also... Confused. I don't know how to talk about anything else other than alcohol now. It's yeah. literally consumed my life at this point. I can't <laughs> believe that it's finally come to an end. Yeah, yeah, and just it's come to an end. Just to be, just to clear it up for everyone that's listening. So this is technically the last episode of the alcohol mini series, but there will be a bonus episode coming out in the next couple of days, uh, which is just a little interview that we did with Fiona O'Loughlin, uh, who is a female comedian and one of the best comedians in Australia, in my opinion, and she's amazing. So we have that coming out just as a little bonus episode because we know that a lot of you have a lot of time on your hands now <laughs> and are after more content, so we're going to provide that with corona you. Corona content. Corona content. Um, but we will ideally not be talking about corona. Although I do want to discuss something just before we start. Sure. What, what because this is a little bit more casual, this episode. Yeah, very casual. Um, you know how you love Survivor? Like the TV show. Oh, I love it, yeah. Love it. Mm. Do you think that living in quarantine with your husband in such close proximity Mm. would be harder than Survivor? Having not gone through Survivor myself Mm. but going through one day of lockdown, I would choose Survivor any day. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. same. I... All those desert islands that I was stuck on because people gave me hypotheticals because I'm a vegan. Yeah. And they're always like, if you're on a desert island, if you did this, if you did that, mm. honestly, that sounds like a holiday. Oh, that is that is a nice what trip. What the fuck? At this How point, hard is it to live like this? I um, At the end of all of this, I will need money just to afford a lawyer. I don't know which lawyer it will be. Will it be a divorce lawyer or a criminal lawyer? Because I'm either going to divorce him or kill him. That's yeah. basically what's happening. I, I think that like all the people that have had to cancel their wedd- weddings yeah. should count themselves Oh, very lucky. lucky. Yeah. You don't want to be a newlywed going into lockdown, trust me, because <laughs> you're going to come out of the end of it and be like, wish I hadn't done that. So if you get through lockdown, if you've had to cancel your wedding, I completely commiserate with you. That sucks. But consider yourself lucky because at the end of this, you're going to think, Think, thank fuck I didn't marry him. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Corona did you a favor. I'm already sleeping in a separate bed and it's been two days. <laughs> we've, been, so, we've cleared out our yeah. study in our house to make absolutely. another room. I can't. <laughs> Actually, I've sent my family outside to sleep in a tent. We've got the luxury of having a backyard, mm. thank God. But they've been camping, mm-hmm. in inverted commas, camping in the backyard while I've been living in the house because yeah. I just need a fucking break. I can't take it. I Yeah, you know, like it's funny because the first episode of this alcohol mini series, I talked about how much I I loved my (laughs) and now we've gotten to the end of it. I remember when we got all this feedback, like, oh my God, you and Mo are so sweet. It's so moving and I cried and stuff. And I was like sitting over here like the third wheel. Like, Mm. Now, ha ha. Jokes on me, yeah. By the end of this. Yeah. Funny. It wasn't alcohol that broke you up, no. it was health. It was, it, what is the most ironic <laughs> Trying part? Trying to maintain is, your health. Yeah, we, we managed to get through both of us having substance abuse problems. We've survived that, yet we're not going to survive the quarantine. <laughs> I can just, it's not happening. I just, I am, I can't. <laughs> I just can't. And this is the thing as well. We we've we got some questions for Palmer. People were writing me questions saying, you know, can we have Palmer on? And he was so excited to come on. And I literally ran out of the house today and he's not here with us because I can't stand the side of him right yeah. now. So I'm so sorry. If you have written in questions for Palmer, 
too bad. So it's not sad. happening. Yeah. <laughs> too <laughs> bad. So sad. It's not happening. Uh, so let's just get into it. I, I think. think so yeah. too. I think, you know, we've got quite a few questions to get through. Yeah. So let's do it. So the first question is, as someone who is only just 22 and on a sober journey and loving it mostly so far, do either of you wish you had gone sober sooner as in your 20s? First of all, I'm still in my 20s. So <laughs> let's not let's oh not be God. throwing me under the bus just I'm yet. Not, I'm 30. Yeah. So um well this one's a bit of a weird one for me personally because I was sober for most of my 20s. Yeah. Because I it. was having kids. You had a hiatus. Of- I did. I went really hard early. So mm. from about well, I was drinking in my teens a little bit. Mm. But from about 18 and a half to 21 and a half maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, 21. I just was full on. Then immediately stopped for like five years. Yeah. Five years. Yeah, that would have been right. Met you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then came back into it. Yeah. So mostly I was sober. Um, I mean, I know what the answer to yours is going to be and uh, <laughs> mine is not the same. I would yeah. say that it, no, I'm fine with how I got here. And yeah, I've I I don't. Mm, interesting. I do. I wouldn't necessarily say I wish I'd gone sober sooner. I mean, like I do, but you know, whatever. It's gotten me this far. However, I just wished that I knew what I knew now to make better decisions and more informed decisions. Like I just wish I could go back to my 16 year old self and just like really shake the head of myself and be like, this is going to consume you. So just tread wisely. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's not necessarily that I wish I was totally sober. I wish I could have sat down with myself and had a a serious Mm. conversation about it because it was so flippant. Like alcohol was never really that serious. And all of the stuff surrounding alcohol and consent and all of that stuff that I would find myself in positions where will impact me for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. because things that happened when I was drunk haunt me. Yeah. So I wish I had just gone and had like a serious discussion. Not that you can, but you know, I wish there was someone there that could have had a chat to me. Yeah, absolutely. Like while I do feel that I've partially been robbed from for quite a few years of my life, I also know that for me, I, I really appreciate sobriety now because I've been through such dark times. Mm. So, yeah, I do wish it kind of happened sooner, but I just sort of wish that it, it didn't even have to get to that point and I could have just gone back and, mm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, second question. I just wanted to know if you guys found yourselves swapping the alcohol out for other things. My partner has been trying to drink less and oh, has yes. been drinking so much chocolate milk. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mine's sugar. Do you know? Yeah, this is the thing. Dude. I've started drinking sugar again, which is something I would never even touch mm. before. Um, just because when I go out, I'm like, well, I will have a mocktail. Whereas before I would never touch sugar no. before. So I've definitely let sugar back in. I... Oh, I'm bad. <laughs> yeah. I've really, really yeah. gone all the way into sugar. I don't understand. I'm, Were you not already all the way into sugar? I'm talking like a pack of Sour Patch Kids, like almost a day. Annie. I know. Well, I actually burnt the um, I burnt the taste buds off my tongue from the amount of acid. And so I had to... I, shut up! Don't sorry. I don't, just I'm not, not shaming you. Podcast. <laughs> I don't think that you should be judging. I just didn't know I've that. I really was... re- like reeled it back, yeah. but yeah, I did. It's habitual. I think. I it's just, just it, it's like when you take it out, you you fill that void with something that I think. Yeah, yeah. But then that void, like you you learn It'll, to cope with it. Yeah, that's like that it. chocolate milk addiction will also. I will say, I never drank chocolate milk before, but now froth in it. Oh, so you and me on the ice lattes. <laughs> yeah, we I drink I've, ice lattes like you would not believe. Mm. I do have a problem with ice lattes, yeah. But that was that was a problem before, but now I definitely have more. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do you want me to read any of these? Yeah, if you want to read oh, the next one. Oh, That's oh, a long one. Why did I get a big one? You did get a big okay. one. Okay, this is the question. I guess this is a more directed towards people who have constantly been the carer for a chronically drunk person. 
So is it for me? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, my mother has been a drinker her whole life. It's ruined two marriages. She's had her license removed twice and is severely draining on mine and my brother's ability to have a relationship with her. Over the years, I've lost my ability to be sympathetic to her plight. It just enrages me that she won't commit to change. I am resentful and at the same time, I hate the fact that I feel this way. Do you have any advice for working towards forgiveness or maintaining empathy for a person struggling with their addiction? I have had um, someone in my life who was struggling with addiction and it gets to a point that it starts to impact your mental health and you really have to start looking out for yourself because it can consume you. Their addiction can consume you as much as it consumes them. Um, I will say that you have to understand that addiction is it is an addiction so as much as you're angry at them because they can't get out of it they're just as angry as well like it's not a choice for them it it's hard for both people involved but yeah I think you need to take care of yourself it's difficult and sometimes we've done a whole podcast on forgiveness and that Mm. you know forgiveness isn't always necessarily needed but there is like a lot of resentment and stuff about everything in your past um I would definitely go and see a psychologist yeah to work through that but if you want to maintain your relationship with your mum into the future I would say that it's quite draining to keep counting up all the things that have troubled you in your past Mm -hmm. that's like get that out at the psychologist and in order to maintain their new relationship with your mum you just have to let look forward and not look back because otherwise you'll never get you'll never move forward because it can also seem like you're never going to get out of it yeah exactly like it'll just seem like a too big a problem (laughs) yeah but um yeah maintaining the empathy for a person that's struggling with their addiction that is really important it's also making sure you're not an enabler. Yeah. Like, so empathy is like one thing, but also you've you've got to still stay strong. Yeah, you've still got to make sure that you're pulling that person up because empathy sometimes is being the you know cruel to be kind type of thing. I've had someone in my life where I said to them that that I had to t- stop them seeing my children. Mm-hmm. And I had to take that away from them so that they would go and get some help, and that cruel to be kind was actually what went and got them help like I had to do so I had to draw a really big card um and it nearly killed me but I had to do it um so So, yeah I think like it's hard because someone uh one of my friends was like so and so has a drinking problem and I they always ask me to buy them alcohol am I should I be doing that and it's like no you really shouldn't like you can't enable it and as well you know if someone you know loses their license don't be giving them lifts everywhere. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You've got to just be like, well, this is your bed that you've laid in and I can't keep pulling and you don't out be, of it. And the amount of people that um, give people points. Yeah, don't do that. That oh is, I've God. been asked, I've been asked to take points for someone that's, you know, lost their licence several times because of drink driving and then has the audacity to ask me to take the points from them. Yeah. No. So sorry, you should not be doing this and I'm not going to allow you to do it further. And it doesn't – I understand that it's complex. Like um, sometimes these people, like say their job is a delivery person and they have a family to support and they're not going to have a job with that. Well, that's on them. The consequences that they're bearing is not because you didn't take the points. Yeah. It's because they chose to drink. That's it. So you have to just keep reframing it. It's not your fault Mm. that they've ended up in this position. Yeah, I would definitely say maintain your empathy, but also stay strong and protect yourself as well. Boundaries are important. Boundaries are so important. Yeah. Okay, next question. Hey, ladies, love listening to you guys. Honestly, this mini series has been a little bit challenging to listen to as some parts have hit home, but I have still loved the rawness and unveiling of the unhealthy role I believe alcohol plays in our society. But my question is, how do you accept or try and understand your partner's relationship with drinking if your own is totally different? I am in a relationship with a man I adore, but when it comes to alcohol consumption, he will go all out to the point he can't remember the next day and I basically don't drink at all. The conversation we have been having is why he likes to do this and I am concerned it is his way of hiding some of the mental health challenges he has been working through with therapy, but he seems to think that his drinking habits are unrelated to that and he likes to just have a good time. I can see that the way we have been raised and how alcohol has played a role in our parents' lives have really impacted the way I see alcohol versus the way he sees alcohol. Any advice or thoughts of fab as I'm navigating this all in my head? 
Mm. I totally uh, mm. lived this life with Palmer because Palmer was raised in a house where smoking weed was the norm and mm. they didn't drink. And I lived in a house where drinking was everything. And and I think that like do. lots of people have this mm. when you've um, got a situation where two people have com- have been raised differently and have different ideas on things. Like smoking is one that you you hear about a lot because they will say that you're either both smokers or you're both non-smokers. Mm. It's really hard to have one smoker and one non-smoker in a house because as soon as you've got different ideas on things, it does make it really hard. Yeah. I I definitely did struggle. I used to be so confused how Palmer could think that smoking weed was okay. Like I just couldn't fathom that. Even though like, you know, I'd smoke weed, but I wouldn't like wake and bake. He was stoned all the time and I just couldn't comprehend that. But on the same rationale, he was so confused about how drinking was just everything to me. So we did have very different lives and it was so hard to understand each other's point of view, I guess, because to him, like I, I kept saying, I will absolutely not have a child with you. Because I can't trust you because who knows if you'll be high all the time. Whereas he would be But like, I had no problems leaving my kids with you. <laughs> <laughs> but he would then be like, well, you know, you have to stop drinking. And I would be like, well, that's different because, you know, I can have mummy wine time on a Saturday night, right? <laughs> like we, we just couldn't see eye to eye. But it's so important to just have the discussion about it. That Really the only thing you can do is talk and really explain your concerns. It is obviously going to be harder when you don't have any substance abuse addiction. And that's me and Liam. Yeah. You two at least would point at each other's flaws. Yeah, we right? like you that Spider-Man well, meme. I'm like, yeah. you're a drinker. And he's, he's like, like, you're yeah, another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was like, you've got issues, Annie, and oh, I'm an elite athlete. For the most <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and every, in every way he looked after his health, physically, like working mm. out, he – ate properly, he never drank, none, none of that. And then I would go write myself off mm-hmm. and I'd come home and he'd be like, well, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite honestly, I think I ended up being really sneaky. That's one thing that I hated about myself was that I would I would say to my friends all the time, don't tell Liam, don't tell Liam, yeah. don't tell Liam. Do you remember that? Yeah, fuck. Like I would do so much behind his back. <laughs> yeah. We'd all have to make up and lies everyone around. Everyone make up lies. Yeah. And it was awful. And actually, you got like caught out in the car one day going, oh, remember that time that we did this? And Liam was like, where were you? What were you doing? And then I was yeah. like, Bianca, shut up. Yeah. I wasn't doing that. I was having a slumber party at your house, and wasn't I? And I had to backtrack. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Liam. That was a different Annie. Yeah. <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. But it's really hard to live like that. I'm obviously on the side of her um, boyfriend it was really really exhausting to live like that ultimately came down to me having to reflect on my I mean it was this whole story (laughs) this whole podcast you've heard my story and stuff and that's how it's had to change and interestingly the way that I've been raised with alcohol and the way that Liam has been raised with alcohol pretty much the same Mm. so I don't know why two people can have totally different, you know, end results. Now we've come together and we're okay. But yeah, I was really naughty for a while. In terms of advice, I would say that you actually have to call it out. But come at it not from like a school principal point of view. I yeah. used to hate the feeling of having Being to get in, in trouble. trouble. Yeah, and Like I, ScoMo, stop it. Enough is, <laughs> enough, is enough. Um, but if you're coming at it from the point of view as, I don't even want to like be made to feel bad about it. But just like have an open chat mm. about it. The last thing that I would want is to feel that I was getting in trouble or the, the power dynamic of my relationship was changing because I used to feel a little bit like I was being parented or yeah, that yeah. school principal thing. And I didn't want that. Try and come at it from the, the same level. Like, mm. you know, we're humans, we're flawed, we've got lots going on, but hey, let's like have a talk about this. And also um, because he, you know, you're, you're concerned about his mental health uh, and that he's been going to therapy. Maybe just try and explain how alcohol can impact your mental health. I know I used to have this conversation with Palmer quite a lot about his mental health and how marijuana can negatively impact that and trying to show him that I wasn't coming at him from a point of view of it's gross and I don't like it and I just think that you're, you know. Yeah, you're you're an idiot. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this to yourself? It it was more of a standpoint of, you know, one, I don't want you to be suffering with your mental health but also 
your your mental health impacts me as well because when you're struggling, I'm struggling. So really trying to point out the fact that, hey, we could make things better if we focus on what's actually negatively impacting your mental health and unfortunately marijuana is doing that. And just being really open, I've learned that communication is so important. I know, when I stopped... Outside of lockdown, it's so important. Outside of lockdown, so important. I've run out of things to talk about with my husband now. But I didn't know, you know, I literally did not know that men are complex creatures with thoughts and emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought? Who would have thought that? And I remember talking to Palmer about something once and he, you know, he got very emotional talking to me about it. And I thought, fuck, if I had just talked to him about this three fucking years ago, our life would have been so different. So I think, yeah, just... Just have a talk and and come from a place of love. Yeah. Yep. All right. Next one. Oh, this is. Oh, a, this is this a is fucking. This one's one, juicy. Right? Okay. Straddle up. Okay. Wait. Wait. Straddle. Settle, settle in. Straddle up. I like straddle up better. Straddle up. <laughs> All right. Hello, my favorite voices. And then there's like a little asterisk. Asterisk saying, "Excuse the swearing." Mm. You Here don't have go. to worry about that. I don't now. know why. I don't know you why felt you had to do yeah. that. But anyway. <laughs> A few months ago, my boyfriend got pretty drunk and told another girl, God, I want to fuck you. God, I want to fuck you. (laughs) The girl, knowing about me, pulled him up on it and said, what the fuck? To which he apologised to her and said he didn't know why he said that. I was not at this gathering. He told me the next day what had happened. I struggled with this because, well, it's disgusting behaviour to say it, but also to know he thought it. When I drink, I really only think about him. I appreciated his honesty and after some space to process it, I decided to forgive him. But I often still think about it. Do we say what we really mean when we're drunk? Or is it within reason to forgive him because of his state and not really being himself? I guess I also want to know, Bianca, at your darkest, lowest stage, would you ever have disrespected Palmer in that way? This is some hot tea. This is piping hot tea. I know. Tea. Don't worry about burning your tongue on those South Patch kids. South Patch kids. <laughs> yeah, this is um, okay. So first of all, the person needs to deal with the consequences of their behaviour. Yeah, that was the main point that I thought about mm. was drinking doesn't give you an excuse. I hope we've made that really clear on mm. this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are really out of control and sometimes you do things that you wouldn't otherwise do, mm-hmm. but you drink, you bear the com- consequences of that. So it's not a get out of jail no, free card, absolutely just not. Just like if you get in a car and you have been drinking and you crash that car and kill somebody, you go to jail. Yeah, it's manslaughter. You, you are accountable for your actions. Mm-hmm. So him, as much as like he might have said sorry and stuff, I hope he got a fucking ass whooping mm-hmm. because he's still accountable for his actions for making someone feel, one, really uncomfortable, this girl that you know. So she has obviously felt really uncomfortable. But two, that he did that to you. Mm -hmm. So whether or not he meant it, didn't mean it, whatever, he did it. Mm -hmm. He bears the consequences of that. Absolutely. Um, Another thing I just wanted to talk about is that I hear it all the time, you know, the truth comes out when you're drinking. People seem to think that alcohol is some truth serum. And that's not necessarily true. It's just when... Oh, I I talk absolute shit when I drink it. Yeah. Do you know, I spent one <laughs> night, I pretended that I was a palm reader. I'm not joking. Absolute lies, just because I thought it was funny. <laughs> I was really drunk and I went around pretending I was a palm reader and everyone believed me. And it sort of got out of control and yeah. because I was drunk and I just couldn't really like deal with it, mm. I just kept lying to people. I have the worst eyesight in the world. I couldn't even see the lines <laughs> on their hands. So yeah. it's not a truth no, serum. No, it's not a truth serum. And people often do things when they're drinking or you'll reveal a secret. It's just that, as we've said many times, your inhibitions are lowered. You don't have really cognitive thought and you also can't think of consequences. You don't you don't see the consequences. So you do things that you might not necessarily do or think. I had this happen to me. Palmer almost broke up with me once because I got drunk and we had only been dating for a little while and I thought, I don't know, I said something about maybe having a threesome with one of his friends, right? I maybe <laughs> said something. <laughs> I definitely said that. This is not something that I want. I've spoken on this podcast many times about how <laughs> I struggle to have sex, right? So I just thought I'll, you know, show how cool I am that I'd be down to fuck his mates, right? <laughs> Absolutely not anything that I'm interested in. 
And then I got home and I started sobering up and, you know, it hit me what I'd said and I thought, fuck, he sounded really into that. I hope I don't want to go through with that. That's something I never want to do. So I like did the drunk talk in the mirror and I was like, you know. Oh my God, the drunk talk yeah, in the mirror. Staring at myself or in the you. mirror. Or <laughs> you. Psyching myself up being like, okay, never bring it up again. Never say it again. And if he does mention it to you one time, just say, I don't know what you're talking about. I must have been really drunk, right? Like never let that happen because now he thinks that you might want to do that. And I walk out of the bathroom and he looks at me and says, so I'm really sorry, but we have to break up. I was so confused. I did not see that coming. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, I can't be with someone that would want to have sex with my friends. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. I just, you know, I, I don't know why I said that. I thought that you wanted to do that. And he was like, well, I was just like playing along to see how far you'd go. And I was like, yeah, but that's what I thought you were doing. And we just got very confused. And it's absolutely not something that I want to do. But drunkenly, it sounded like a really great idea to sound really cool. And like, I'd be down with a threesome. And that's just an example of yep. saying dumb yep. shit, you know. I, and as well, I have had many times that I've woken up and I I have mentioned this on the podcast of you know waking up and not wanting to see my phone because I don't know if people are angry at me I've had many times where I've woken up the next day and I've got messages from someone's boyfriend for saying like I can't believe you said this 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 last night blah 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 and then I have to try and justify my shitty drunk behavior through my sober eyes and obviously I can't because what I've done is really fucked up Mm. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that anymore because it fucking happens it happens all the time yeah the other thing is is think about in a day it's a little bit different now that we're all stuck in quarantine Mm. but think about in a day when you're out and about how many inappropriate thoughts you have inside your head yes in a day you sit on a train and then like you might pass judgment on someone or even when you're in front of a friend you might even go oh that outfit or whatever Mm. Right, and how many fucked up thoughts that you feel, and sometimes they're they're not even actually the way you feel; they're just a thought in your head. Yeah, alcohol just means that they sort of bubble out of your mouth. Yeah, so they're so inappropriate, and they're not even always true. I have thoughts in my head sometimes that I'm like, "What? Uh, Why am I I even thinking that? I'm not that type of person." I have to pull myself up on it. Yeah, I'm like, "What is?" Like, Why you don't you think that way? No. Yeah. So, but those come out. Yeah. That's so, it. I think the bottom line is that, that you are still accountable for your actions, mm-hmm. but we can understand how you might have got there. Well, mm-hmm. he might have got there. Yeah. We can, we, we have probably been in that situation before where we've said really inappropriate things and they do happen more when you're drunk. At the end of the day, you're still accountable for your actions. Absolutely. And um, if this is still really eating this person up, I really, really hope they are talking about it. Yeah. This is a trust broken. And I think as well there's like this general thing of, you know, it's kind of like when you have a dream about something and then you're like, well, is that how I feel about this? Mm. So it's sometimes I would do things when I was drunk that I would then overanalyze the next day to be like, do I feel that way? Um, And because he said that, you might be thinking, well, does he want to fuck other people? Like, is he unhappy in this relationship? Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But you have to talk to him about that. You can't just make the assumption that because he said that, that's how he feels. Next question. What do you think about people who drink now? This series has really made me question my relationship with alcohol. Every time I say this series, Siri pops up. I love it. I really don't think I drink much at all. I am a mum of two and might have one to two drinks a month. If I do have a special kid-free occasion, I might drink a bit more, but never get overly drunk. But is this just as bad? Am I making the same excuses? Should I stop drinking too? I do enjoy a drink when I get to enjoy it. But my husband and I had a rare date night and I almost felt guilty for having a glass of wine with my dinner. It's made me question a lot of things. I don't know where this is going or what the main question is, but yeah, what do you guys think? Don't feel guilty. I don't want anyone feeling guilty, but this was kind of the point of the podcast. It wasn't wasn't to make you feel guilty. It's more just to inform you because now – when you drink, you're making an informed decision to zo- to do an so. informed decision to do so. Yep. Which before it's just mindlessly drinking because you think what's the harm? There's no danger in it. But now you know that there are some dangers, and it's actually mm. like a choice that you have to make. Is it worth it? I still make 
decisions that aren't ideal for my health. And that's, you know, part of living as well is mm-hmm. that sometimes we're going to play around. Like I'll have a cheeky puff of a cigarette if I'm at a party. I tell you what. I will definitely have a cheeky puff (laughs) of a cigarette. By the time of the quarantine, you can't, you can't, you better not take up smoking. I will not be taking up smoking at this critical time, don't you worry. Because your lung health is really important. No, I know, but but uh, the thing is I know the dangers involved and I'll say, okay, yeah, I'll have that cheeky puff and that's the same thing with drinking. I mean, for me personally, no, I don't have any desire to drink but if and when that does come up, I sort of assess it to be like, okay, well, would it be worth that headache? Would it be worth yeah. the misery the next day? Is it worth it? And I'm like, no, it's just not. I weigh up the positives. It's in your psyche, which is good. Mm-hmm. I think that's the good news is it's in your psyche and you're able to, like you said, make an informed decision. Mm. The bad news is like I don't think that it's necessarily something to beat yourself up over. You were saying you're a mum of two and you might have one to two drinks a month. I think you're okay, babe. Most people drink because they enjoy it or at least they think they do. If you are thinking, hey, I don't enjoy this anymore, then why do it? Exactly. That's that's it. It's also when, you know, that one to two drinks a month, okay, maybe you do enjoy it, but it starts picking up to one to two drinks a day. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it does. Like the, it sneaks up on people. Is mm. it, it starts maybe with one to two drinks a month and then it's like once a week and then it's like, okay, with every meal. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, and yeah. then before you know it, okay, this is really taking mm-hmm. over my life. But you seem like you're quite conscious of what's going on. Yeah. And you don't need to guilt yourself. If you do make the decision to drink, then make sure that you in, are doing it because you enjoy it. That's yeah. it. Don't, yeah. If you, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, but like Demi Lovato, sorry, not sorry. But yeah, I guess the point of this podcast was sort of just to remove the wool from people's eyes a little bit about alcohol. And I'm glad that you're thinking about it and making a conscious decision whether to drink or not. And that opening question of what do you think about people who drink now? There is absolutely no judgment on my behalf. Mm. Whether or not I might hang out with those people, like Mm. I will find it really hard now to stay really late when people are totally smashed (laughs) and I might not be. Mm. There's no judgment. They're they're, they're just caught up in it. That's all I think. Mm. I I mean, I used to be a drinker that loved alcohol and I know that that's how a lot of people feel. So, yeah, it's just that's the way it is. All righty. Hey guys, P.S. I seriously love what you're doing. Thanks. Here are my questions. One, did you have to change your friendship group when you stopped drinking or limit the amount of time with them? Two, did you find that you were being judged for your decision or made to feel like you were trying to be better than your friends? Yes. (laughs) Three, if you have cravings for like a gin and tonic or beer or whatever, how do you deal with it? You guys should be so proud of yourselves. You're doing amazing. Kiss, kiss. That's nice. First question, did you have to change your friendship group when you stopped drinking or limit your time? No. No, I didn't change my friendship group. Actually, the habits of the friendship group have changed though. That's true, yeah. So the actual friendship group, the things that we used to bond over, are no longer there. That's the actual it. friendship group has changed along with us. For example, we used to all go down and have drinks at the bar all the time on a Friday night and now we do pole dancing together. All yeah. of us have all this energy and um, <laughs> yeah. so now we do pole dancing twice a week. In fact, we see our friends a lot more. I do th- three activities a week with my friends oh, every night I do well. netball and pole dancing and yeah. then you know sometimes I'll do an additional pole class and yeah so the friendship group hasn't changed but just what I do with them has changed and yeah I probably don't head out to their raging parties which they're not having anymore anyway because of COVID but yeah <laughs> I, I haven't really limited my time with anyone did you find that you're being judged for your decision or made to feel like you were trying to be better than your friends I definitely feel that you were trying to be better than your friends yeah I felt that yeah I, I did I still that. feel that even when we're talking on this podcast I'm very wary of what I'm saying because you know when you feel that You've got knowledge and stuff and you want to give that to other people. But you also, it's that fine line between being preachy. Fuck, we've already vegan got ex- life. Yeah. Vegan life. We've already yeah. got experience with being vegan. But yeah. it is like really hard because you do want to have these conversations. And when you don't have the same view as the majority of other people and society generally, 
you do feel like they feel like you're targeting mm. them and you're wanting them to change, so even if you're just trying to talk about it. That's it. it. I, I won't bring it up with people unless they specifically ask me why. And I did the same thing with veganism. I never wanted to shove it in people's faces. So I wouldn't say anything unless someone specifically asked. Now, trust me, I get people asking a lot. So I do find that I'm talking about it, but I'm always talking about it from my own personal experience and not saying, you know, you shouldn't drink so much. It's just, well, it was really bad for for me for this reason, this reason, this reason. If that makes them decide to judge me or to think that I'm trying to be better than them, that's on them. That's not really me. I'm not talking about it from a preachy point of view, I don't think. Yeah, you're pretty good like that. You're you're happy to sit back a little bit and allow people to come to you. My personality is a little bit different to yours. (laughs) (laughs) I really, really can't handle injustice. And when I feel like there is injustice, I try so hard to be quiet, but I'm just not very good with it. So if it's veganism, then I'll just be like, what the fuck do you know? The animals are going through this and all this. Where alcohol, I feel like there are so many injustices and the injustices are, do you know you're being manipulated by the industry? (laughs) Do you know that you haven't been taught that it's carcinogenic or how bad it is for your health and those sort of things? So I find that really hard to keep in. Yeah. But in terms of my friends, they know my personality, so it's kind of okay. It's more for the, like I'm not online saying it. Like people that are coming to my podcast to listen to it, our podcast, sorry. And then, yeah, for sure I'm saying it, but I'm not on Instagram banging on about it all the time. Yeah, which I do, although someone attacked me the other day for doing so and was like, you shouldn't be talking about sobriety. And I was like, okay, yeah, but we know that people respond well when they hear other people talking positively about sobriety and that's how you help people. Keeping sobriety in the dark is not helping anyone because it doesn't shine a light on the fact that you can heal. So like, please leave me alone. Can we also like bring that up? I know this wasn't involved in the question, but you and I both had a really good conversation Mm. about that via text raging. (laughs) So it was mostly to do with Alcohol Anonymous. Alcoholics Uh, Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, we haven't gone into that in heaps of depth on our podcast. In fact, we have barely even touched on that because it is something that is quite well known. In terms of all of the ways that you can recover from drinking, it's one of the most popular ways. Yeah, for sure. So we just chose that we would keep that up for a number of reasons. But you brought up something really interesting the other day about Alcoholics Anonymous. This person that wrote to you was particularly angry because it sounds like they had partaken in that I think they go to AA yeah yeah so could you explain then about like the secrecy and then what that does yeah so the thing with AA I really do not feel comfortable talking about this though because I don't want to bag anything no 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 so before we get into it let's just say that whatever works for anybody is fantastic yeah so if AA works for you and you thrive in that and that's the program for you that is so great Mm. and no one's ripping that down but the thing is is when people from Alcoholics Anonymous have a problem with your method of Mm -hmm. how you've found your sobriety which is what you're finding at the moment is Mm. that the people that have been in AA have come to you and they've got a problem with you talking about your experience and they have a problem with this podcast yeah so Absolutely. If AA works for somebody, if rehab works for another person, if self-help books work, whatever programs there are, sexy sobriety, we've had quite a few on here. If that works for you, absolutely fantastic. But if one doesn't work for you, that's also okay. And you're allowed to talk about the ways that you have been helped. Yeah. So I I would still, I know you feel really uncomfortable, (laughs) but I still really would like you to talk about what trouble you've found yourself in. Yeah. So there is a thing called... Attraction rather than promotion. And basically, this is something that AA started, which means recovery can't be promoted. The reason why this exists is mostly to help cover the asses of the people that work at AA. So it's basically saying, you know, how, say, Jenny Craig will have a spokesperson like Mel B., Mm-hmm. AA won't do that because it puts too much pressure on that person and if that person was to relapse, it, yeah. it reflects badly on AA. So with that comparison, then, for example, Magda Skabansky, mm-hmm. she was the Weight Watchers person and she came out and she was like, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so then it, it was like, okay, well, well, Weight Watchers 
isn't a very good program. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So AA has no spokespeople. They won't have spokespeople. So they have this thing called attraction rather than promotion, which basically means the reason why it's Alcoholics Anonymous is because no one's meant to know who's in it. And that kind of stops them from having any real recovery, right? Because you don't know who's in it and you don't know how much it's working. And this attraction rather than promotion means you have to decide upon yourself that you have a problem and then go along to AA. And the issues with this, with the keeping sobriety or, or keeping, I guess, recovery hidden is that someone that is struggling might not know that they can get help. So for me personally, I definitely had no role models talking about sobriety in my life. I didn't know anyone that was doing it. And it wasn't until I took it upon myself and started researching that I was like, oh, wow, other people feel the same fucking way that I do. I'm not alone. I can combat this. I can do this myself. So I've always wanted to talk about it, particularly because I have people say, you've helped me, right? Mm. Like you have gotten me out of this or you saved my life. That's fucking massive. And I'm always going to want to talk about it because if people can learn from my story, then you know, I'm going to share it. I've been through fucking hell and back. And it's and it, it's really interesting to me because if you think about mental health, we say the exact opposite. We're like, are you okay, Day? Come on, speak Talk up. About it. Talk about it. If mm-hmm. you've got a problem, reach out. Reach out to the closest person to you. Yeah. Like anyone, even influencers are like, you're allowed to pop up in my DMs mm-hmm. and have a chat to me. And all that is promoted and yeah. talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. But then, yeah, with this uh, attraction over promotion, it's completely the opposite. You have an issue, that's okay, but you've got to go off to this program and you are to remain anonymous and you are to work and focus on yourself in your own little bubble, really. And then as well, what happens is recovered people or people that are struggling, they keep it hidden so the drinking public doesn't realise that there is recovery available. They don't realise how many people are going to recovery. They don't know that there are options available to them. If we just keep that hidden, then people are struggling without knowing where to turn. So I find that if you follow someone on Instagram that's in the sober space, that's a really positive role model for you. And there's so many people. There are so many people online that you can follow that do this. I'm not the only sober person on Instagram. But you can find someone and talk to them and share ideas with them or you know, just see them living a sober life. I don't know why for some reason Spritey I'm getting attacked because if it was for me talking about veganism people would be like okay like thank you you know Mm -hmm. I don't know why Spritey has to be this way but unfortunately but I think it's because there's a lot of shame there is surrounded uh, with sobriety I find it really sad that people are sort of forced to feel the shame Mm. by having to keep it a secret. And like I said, if AA works for you because, for example, you would rather remain anonymous because you don't want your workplace to know that you've got a drinking problem or whatever, awesome. Maybe that program is for you. Mm -hmm. But there are many ways in order to get better and healthy if you've got a drinking problem. There's not just that one way. There is not just one way. And just look at this podcast, for example, you know, the amount of people that have reached out and said, listening to your story, I realised that's exactly me. And, and, I, and I had the same thing when I read This Naked Mind, when I read Bex Weller's book, when I read Alcohol Explained, when I read How to Quit Like a Woman, uh, when I read The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, all of these people are sharing their story and all of them, I could see myself in them. And it just reiterated to me how much I needed to remove alcohol from my life. If all of those people didn't say a word, I'd still be drinking because yep. I didn't know that recovery was possible. So, I mean, I understand that it's a tricky subject. And, and I it's know quite that, triggering for people. Yeah, and, it, and I get see, that. To see you on Instagram, they probably followed you because you're very funny and oh. you're so good looking and well. you're just like... <laughs> um, <laughs> but they probably followed you for maybe a myriad of other reasons. Mm. And then all of a sudden now they're confronted with this person that's talking about sobriety. Mm. So I'm sure it's really triggering for yeah. quite a lot of people that are following you. Yeah. However, that's also not your burden to bear. And also this person said to me, you will always be an addict and you will always be recovering. You know, good luck with your recovery. And I just want to say I am not defined by my addiction or my recovery. I'm very proud to be sober, but you do not know where I'm at in my recovery and I feel recovered. So 
Yeah, that was the thing. Block and delete, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And and as well, you know, I just don't understand how if you are struggling with drinking, why you would ever attack someone else and make them feel that they are not doing as well as they thought. I just like I don't understand the thought process behind that person. But don't you worry. I didn't block them. I want them to see me still living and thriving. So Mm. Um, (laughs) the third question that we we went on quite a tangent. If you have cravings for a gin and tonic or beer. I know we haven't even finished that. If you have cravings for a gin and tonic or beer or whatever, how do you deal with it? Now, I do not get the cravings for alcohol, but I get the craving for the habit of the alcohol. (gasps) Yes. Which is the sitting down after like on a Friday, knocking off the week. You know, usually I would sit down and have a yeah. beer, which would turn into like six beers. And then, you know, I couldn't control the rest of the night. But I'll have that craving of like, oh, I want a beer. I'll just have a non-alcoholic beer. Mm. I have the craving when I'm out. I don't have Big any, time. I don't have, feel it at home. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I go out, I'm like, oh, I'm dressed up. I've made an effort and all that. I want my drink to reflect the fact that I've made an effort and that mm-hmm. this is a special occasion. As we have talked about on this podcast, how it really signifies that yeah. you're doing something. So I want like a little bit more effort put into my drink. I had my friend's uh, wedding day and we were all sitting down drinking champagne breakfast for the wedding day. And I got a bottle of non-alcoholic champagne and I drank the entire thing because that's what I would normally do in that situation. I would just keep filling up my glass and drinking it. And it's crazy how much, like it's very it's obvious. A liquid. That, yeah, the, the habit is still there. Mm. Like I would, I would now say, oh my God, I can't believe I just drank a whole bottle of non-alcoholic champagne. But I would never have thought a thing about it when it was actual alcohol. And it's weird. It's the habit of just having a glass. So if I'm at a party, I absolutely take a six pack of non-alcoholic beers because that's what I would have done before with beers. And I would have sat there and drank them the whole time and I would have got very drunk. But I still have to have that drink in my hand. It's just the habit of having that sip. Yeah. I think that that will change over time too. But it's, um, you know. You're still very early in your recovery, I'll Bianca. I'll always be an addict and I'll always be recovering. <laughs> Next question. What do you do with all your spare time now? <laughs> Drinking in hangovers takes up a lot of time. Also, I love you ladies. So I broke my vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> I wore the fucking button off it. <laughs> you know the button that you press? Like the little thing shot yeah. through. Yeah, I broke it. I think that that's for everyone right now they're in quarantine, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Part of the reason I asked my family to sleep in the backyard. <laughs> they're around all the fucking time now. Um, Annie and I were at Officeworks and I didn't have my wallet and I said, oh, I need to get batteries. And Annie was like, don't worry, I'll get them for you. And I was like, no, no, let me just send you the money. So I sent her like the $8 or whatever it was for the batteries and she was like, that's really weird. And then two days later, I was like, okay, so I broke my vibrator and Annie goes, oh, is that what those batteries have felt? Because I totally <laughs> thought it was. And I was like, yeah, that's why I wanted to give you money because I didn't want you to be responsible for my myriad of orgasms. Um, but yeah, I broke my vibrator. Yeah, I, I'd made you, made my way into your bedroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've already had was, too much to do with your and, life. And so, yeah, I've broken my vibrator. That's that's the where I'm at. I have learned a lot of things and it's really <laughs> empowering. I mean, yeah. sorry, that was just not, oh, not yeah. to do with masturbating. Well, both. Okay. Well, okay, yeah. No, but I have learned a lot of things. It's so empowering mm. all of a sudden getting this time back. I actually think that a lot of people are going to experience this with COVID-19. So you go through a period of just boredom yeah. and you're like, what the fuck do I do with my life? Mm. And once you get over that little hump and you go, oh, I'm going to actually start learning. Yeah. Like I've learned to sew is one of the biggest ones for me. Mm. You've learned to cook amazingly. Yeah. And you just do all these projects and it actually adds to the empowerment that you already felt by not drinking. It's like another level mm-hmm. because all of a sudden you're taking your life by the reins yeah. and you're actually not only just feeling better, but you're actually able to do more things. Like yeah. you're able to... Look after yourself. And there isn't this cloud of, you know, I would be actually incapable of talking or thinking the next day after drinking. Like I couldn't actually get my thoughts together. I don't have this like cognitive cloud anymore. Mm. I'm very like wide awake and clear thinking. It's also easier to keep yourself in routine, and which then follows on through your week. So even though you might be able to get up a few days in your week and you might think that you're not too bad with the mornings, it's about maintaining that through your week. Mm. And that weekend used to break it for me. Like it's okay to have a sleep in, 
but I would I would struggle. Even after sleeping, I'd be like, oh, God. And everything would be such a struggle all the way until I was, like, cooking my kids' dinner at night. Yeah. When now I get up in the morning and it's easier. It's yeah. so much easier. Even on a Wednesday, even though I was, like, drinking on the weekend, it would still be hard because I would be still trying to find my feet in the week and hanging out for the weekend. Ugh, it's just this bad thing that used to break up the rhythm yeah. of my week. And as well, I the... It is nice knowing that you have some passions in your life. Yeah. Whereas the first time I spoke to Palmer on Tinder, he said, do you have any hobbies? And I said, oh, is drinking a hobby? And I used to hate when people would say, do you have a hobby? Because literally all I did was drink. And now I know that it's like there's so many things yeah. that I'm like, I thought were just over. I had nothing. My life was literally get up work and just get to Friday so you can drink again, you know. Well, my hobby is pretty much turning into my career. So I went and applied for a job mm-hmm. outside of this because I all of a sudden had time. And that job, so dog grooming, I was like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing this quite well and I'm actually not challenged enough. Maybe I should study it. So when I studied it and now I'm going to be like mm. doing my own business. Yeah. I would never have done that if I was drinking. I had no plans to keep bettering myself and and something <laughs> like that. <laughs> The what? podcast is literally we want to be better, and oh. you're like I had no plans to better Sorry, myself. I, no, I had plans to no plans to better myself in the, those hobbies. I know, fuck off. All right, okay, yeah. but I mean, like, sorry, I would like want to better myself, say with the podcast and like the comedy festival mm. and stuff. But I would have assumed that like all of the hobbies were just flitty flatty yes. stuff on the side. They yeah. weren't anything to be taken seriously, Absolutely. and I would never have put in any effort into those things. Mm. I would have only been like conserve my energy for the podcast or conserve my energy for the comedy festival and the things that I deem work Mm. and all hobbies are just hobbies they're just things on the side I mean I didn't even have them at that point but we have both been in pole dancing competitions Mm -hmm. like we haven't even been able to just sit back and allow us to do pole dancing is just for fun we've like always pushed for a little bit more and a little bit more and I think that we would never have done that if we had kept drinking Mm -hmm. I would never have bettered myself sorry I know it's the fucking podcast but I wouldn't I would never have bettered myself at those things that I am now finding that I have deep passion for Hi Annie and Bianca. I was just curious if either of you have been to see health professionals. I'm a fellow autoimmune disease pal B. I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that, darling. Before you stop drinking versus what the difference is to your physical bodies after you stop drinking. My dad is in his 50s and is an alcoholic. His body is deteriorating to the point where he likely won't be able to walk soon due to not making necessary changes. I have not seen a health professional myself except for, you know, obviously my rheumatologist. But I have definitely noticed physically a lot of improvements, but I haven't seen a specialist myself. Well, I I have mental health. Mental health. So I've been to a psychiatrist, a psychologist and my doctor, like the team of them. Mm -hmm. And I have drastically improved my mental health. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable. Mm. There's a couple of things that have really helped my mental health. I went on medication and I saw an impact from that for sure. Several, several months later, like six months later, I gave up drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed another increase of better mental health. So 100% had a change in my health. Yeah, And then it also, for me, I mean, this is certainly not the position of this person that's writing in. However... For me personally, I've noticed that once my mental health is better, I notice my physical health gets better because yeah. I make better choices. Mm-hmm. Aside from eating the sugar. Okay, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, I'll more my like um, circadian rhythm is better. I'm sleeping? Yeah. Oh, my God. How did I not know that drinking was impacting my ability oh, to sleep? It's terrible. So bad. So I'm sleeping. I'm generally eating better. Yeah, my routine is better. I'm doing more physically I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot more active work and yeah but alcohol has definitely impacted me health-wise and it's much better without it like I definitely sleep better my skin has improved and I do have less flare-ups of my arthritis which is great and as well 
on top of that, I used to drink and smoke at the same time. Like I couldn't yeah, physically yeah. not smoke when I was drinking and now I've managed to quit smoking. Just on the netball court alone, I can run a whole game out, whereas I couldn't do that before because my lungs just didn't have the capacity. Mm. So that has improved tenfold. Yeah. I'm really um, sorry to hear that your dad is in the position that he's in. I can only imagine the stress that you mm. feel watching him deteriorate too. Yeah, I think that that's really hard on you and it obviously sounds like he needs professional help but also just take care of yourself because as we all know at the moment with COVID-19 and all of this quarantining and watching out for the people we love that are older than us we're all freaking out about our parents right now Mm -hmm. and I've had that really like awful feeling of oh my god my parents are mortal they're not they're not here forever like it's you know bringing Mm. them like what are you doing stay home stay home like you're you're susceptible to this bloody virus so this is something that you sound like you've already been going through for quite a long time. And the anxiety that I feel right now with my loved ones being at risk just because of their age and what is going on in the world, I can only imagine that you've been feeling this for a really long time and you've been watching this for a really long time and you've been freaking out and probably have anxiety about this. So I would just also say, please take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Hello, beautiful humans. I've decided I want to go sober, like I'm a week and a half in because I died a few weeks ago and totally had to call in sick to work and had an honest week-long hangover. I discovered I am a massive binge drinker who has zero self-control and definitely could not moderate. (laughs) You're you're writing it to the right podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I am supposed to be going to Europe later in the year with my best friend, which we have already labelled as a messy as fuck trip. That's if we go because of the virus crap. But I just honestly don't know how I'm going to break it to her I just don't want to disappoint her I feel like I've cheated on her any advice would be great I just want <laughs> so to say going, yeah <laughs> I, like, the thing that's so crazy to me is that we've been in lockdown for a, a few days and already the idea like hearing someone say we're going to Europe yeah. is so, miles away. I'm like, going to Europe, A girl. week is a long time. <laughs> this person wrote a week ago and it was like, oh, yeah, maybe that's a possibility. A week later we're like, uh, mm, so no. you're not going. Um, but uh, this is a hard one. Because totally maybe someone will listen to this in the future when borders open again and people do go on holidays. God, the things we took for granted. Yeah. You are not cheating on it. You're not cheating on it. To start off with. And I totally feel this. This is like one of the reasons why I kept my sobriety a secret. I was so nervous about telling people and I had a friend whose hen's day was coming up and that's why I kept it a secret because I didn't want her to know because I didn't want to disappoint her that I would be going to a hen's day sober. Mm. And I remember uh, my mum was like, well, that's just irrational. You know, like that's not, you know, she's not going to care. But I thought, you know, putting myself in her shoes, I probably would have been upset if she'd done the same for me for my hen's day. I would have thought, well, you're not going to be any fun. Which is completely unfair and uh, I ended up telling her I was sober the next day and she said I had absolutely no idea. I didn't even notice the whole time. I don't regret not telling her that I was sober. Like I I don't think I regret it. it, No, whatever, it's done now. But I probably was being... I was making assumptions on how she would have taken it, maybe. Mm. It would have probably just been better if I could have just been honest with her. And I think that's what you have to do. You just have to be honest. And as someone that, because I wasn't sober when you went sober and it was before my 30th mm. you went sober. And so I knew that you would be going into my 30th and you wouldn't be drinking. I'd just like to say that your relationship is not based on alcohol. Mm-mm. And if it is, then that's a really big problem in yeah. itself. So you have more to your relationship than drinking. And I'm assuming you're really good friends because you're going overseas. But me personally, when Bianca said that she was giving up drinking, all I was thinking about was her happiness and okay, well, if she's going to be happier at my party, I'd much prefer that than her being drunk at my party. Mm surely she would care enough about you to be happy for you yeah so and god have you seen me and bianca like we're both sober and still very capable of being messy my idea is tell her why you're going sober convince her to go sober and you both go on a sober trip because you know it didn't take any very long to get sober after i did so you never know so i had a friend who used to she doesn't live in the same state as me. And whenever we would see each other, we'd get absolutely 
absolutely fucking mortal. But I would sometimes I couldn't be bothered. I would be tired and I would sort of be like, oh, I just wish we could take it easy. But, you know, that's what she wants to do because that's what she does. And that's what we do when we're together. I never just thought of saying, hey, let's just like chill with the movie tonight. I used to think, oh, I have to turn it out because that's what she'd want me to. But then, you know, she came over to visit and she was like not smoking or anything. And I was so taken aback by it, but sighed such a big relief because I thought, oh, okay, cool. I don't have to get absolutely shit faced this weekend. Yeah, don't underestimate your friends. Yeah, don't underestimate. Grow and change. And hopefully you're able to do that together. Yeah. Hopefully you get through coronavirus to be able to even go overseas. Yeah. Oh, don't even. I'm sorry. Now, the last question Have you lost many friends since giving up alcohol? And if so, so was it your choice or theirs to end the friendship? Yeah. So, yeah. Look, I, actually, I was just about to say I haven't lost any. I don't know. I might have lost one. <laughs> might be the same one as yeah, you. Yeah, I've lost one. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Just one. Just one. That's a tough one and I want to be very careful what I say. I think the thing is when I was drinking, I maybe had less boundaries or would not necessarily put my own mental health forward as much as I should have and maybe let people take advantage of me more than they should have. And when you get sober, you sort of get a clarity and maybe a self-respect that you didn't have before. And I will not let people tread on me or treat me in a way that I don't find acceptable. So, yeah, I have lost a friend. But... Also, for a little bit of clarity, I think that it would be quite – it wouldn't be inappropriate for us to say that that friend was the biggest drinking buddy. Absolutely, yeah. So that's that's where it was like the ultimate pressure was put on the relationship because it was very confronting for this person. As soon as you gave up, it made – made it really hard for them because it meant that they had to reflect on their behavior as well yeah yeah that's that's it I mean I definitely feel that we didn't need alcohol to be friends absolutely Absolutely not. not but I also know that me raising what my issues were which had been issues beforehand but I'd let them slide me bringing them up it became clear that they felt it was because of my sobriety that I was judging them and so it became this thing of well you think you're better than me because you don't drink anymore and that wasn't necessarily the case there was just issues that had been underlying which as I said I didn't really care how people treated me before because if anyone wanted to get drunk with me I was just happy to do it but now I definitely have more of a self-respect for myself and I put my own mental health forward first And I think, yeah, it does look like I'm being very judgmental of that person, but I'm not. It's just unfortunate that, yeah, I'm sober at the time that I had to bring it up. Yeah. Well, I don't think that it's unfortunate it had to be said, but I think it's just been lost in amongst all the drinking over the years. Yeah. But I will say I've connected with more friends now in, in in a deeper level. Then oh I, yeah, that, God, that's yeah. the thing. That's like, you know, I think if you have a relationship with someone and you're worried that you're going to lose that friend because you're not drinking anymore, then first of all, is it really that good of a friendship that can't survive? Second of all, should you have to remain a drinker to keep a friend? That doesn't make a lot of sense. No. And third of all, don't, again, don't underestimate your mates. Because yeah. I did I did have this massive fear that I was going to lose all of my friends. But really, that fear was something that I was holding on to. It wasn't reality. My friends weren't just friends with it's me because I could shame drink. and judgment on yourself. Absolutely. I'm going to add in a fourth. The fourth is that going sober will give you the ability to meet new people and create new friendships that you wouldn't have otherwise made if you had been drunk. There are people that I am now friends with that I probably wouldn't have been friends with if I was still a drinking person. The pros far outweigh the cons and it's scary because you feel like you don't want to lose something that you love. Mm -hmm. You feel like by giving up drinking, it then exposes something that you love to being destroyed. But have faith in the thing that you love because, Mm. yeah. That's beautiful. Oh, shut up. What? Don't look at me like that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I reckon we're done. Is this enough Corona content? Is that? Well. Like, we've done a lot. Look, yeah. So, look, now that we 
are finished with the series and as we said we're going to have the Fiona O'Loughlin interview come out we will start to come out with more content for regular you. programming regular programming I don't know what we're going to do <laughs> but, but we will be coming out with stuff someone actually messaged us and said can you start doing more episodes a week please I assume you have more time now and I was like yeah we do have more time but I have nothing happening I don't know what you want me to do. Just give you a list of things in my house. I mean, I also notice I don't want to. We have to talk about Corona because that's what we're going through right now. Mm. But I don't want any more Corona content. Yeah. Holy shit! Everything on my podcast app is just Corona, Corona. How this affects this and how this affects that. There was an earthquake in Zagreb, right? Where all my family is in Croatia. Croatia. No one knows about it. No one even knows about it because why would they? Corona's (laughs) top of the list craziness yeah, but yeah. yeah there's just I think been... that we do want to come and we want to have some relief from all of it I've been finding that my mental health has been challenged more than ever in Absolutely. isolation and oh, did not realize how much I need physical contact with people <laughs> I really didn't think I was this touchy-feely but apparently I am I didn't realize how much I needed pole dancing I did to, not... to keep my head above water <sighs> when they closed the doors that's when it hit me yeah I just thought, how so am I going to cope? I think that we're going to bring some fun. We're going to bring some fun. I think we have to. And also the other two things that I've noticed on the podcast app, one is that it's Corona content yeah. or two, it's people going, oh, hi, I've just decided to start a podcast because uh, like I'm in isolation and they're boring as fuck. Which you will not get on you this podcast. You will not get. Like I know that we've <laughs> rambled on forever now, I know, but yeah. No, yeah, we'll be there. And uh, you know what? And thank you to everyone that has tuned into this mini series. We're so grateful to have had you along the way. And I hope that you've gotten something out of it. I know that it's been a very long, arduous journey, but this is such a big topic. And And we we also wanted to explain where we are and who we are now Mm -hmm. because we don't want the podcast to evolve without you. I feel like we are both really different people now and... We needed to explain that because the direction of our podcast has changed because we have changed as people. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, stop. That was deep. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> Love Bye. you. Bye. This episode of We Want To Be Better was written, produced and edited by me, Bianca Thompson, and my best friend, Annie Nolan. Music by Pleasant Pictures Music. I'd like to personally say a huge thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you for tuning in to our mini-series on alcohol and thank you all for being so supportive. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Want To Be Better and come join our online community group on Facebook at WW2BB Community Group. We hope you're all coping okay during self-isolation. We'll be back again real soon with more apps to get you through this time. In the meantime, stay safe, FaceTime your loved ones, wash your hands and don't touch your face. Bye.